0: Cheers. I'm perched. Yes. Thank you.
1: What's the story?
0: Oh, you want me to... All right. Well, you were talking about um, looking creepy and the subjectiveness of... Being accused of looking creepy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Being... Yeah. A gaze that is determined as being creepy. My uh, former uh, law partner was doing a trial in which the Crown was complaining raised this issue to the judge which was um, that the accused was staring at her in a menacing way and of course the judge gets really kind of upset with this and you know gets to the bottom of it and when it's actually brought to the client's attention, the client's uh, glasses had broken. He actually couldn't see a thing. He (laughs) was simply, it was just a matter, on the way to court, his glasses broke or whatever. He didn't have his, he had prescription sunglasses, but of course in court he was told to take them off. And so he's just staring in the area of a blob in which he hears speaking. She interpreted this as...
1: That's a great story
0: some sort of attempt at, uh, harassment or intimidation by a guy who was just blind. <laughs> so talk about subjective.
1: Well, we'll come to that. And that's that. a real <laughs>
0: story. That's a really good one. <laughs> that's, that's We're going
1: to, that, that will tie into, uh, what we'll talk about a little bit, what's going on in the United States with, uh, Governor Cuomo. But before we get started, I just think it's important for us, given that we talk about on a regular basis, criminal justice issues, uh, civil liberties issues, and 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 you know why our justice system has issues, but as compared to other ones, we have three Canadians in China, and there have been some recent events over the last week that we think it, it behooves us, even though other people are raising it, that it's very important that we raise it and do as much as we can as Canadians to to talk about it. So we're just going to raise it now, and and in another episode we'll go in. But we've got Michael Spavor recently now confirmed on conviction for espionage of taking pictures uh, of like nothing and there's a really great youtube piece by somebody who was with michael spavor as he was going around uh, places in china and in korea and he was like a cultural ambassador and doing nothing wrong and it's all a, a complete sham We've got Michael Kovrig, who's still awaiting, I think, the final verdict. No, no,
0: he has been sentenced to 11 years.
1: No, uh, Spavar was sentenced to 11 years and deportation. And yeah. Kovrig.
0: August 11th, uh, Kovrig was uh, convicted to, for 11 years and
1: sentenced. Okay, so we've and got August
0: Kovrig. 10th was uh, Spavro.
1: Unbelievable. And then there's Robert Schellenberg, yeah. whether or not he was trafficking in, in some form of narcotics gets the death penalty.
0: Well, what's interesting about that case is uh, he was tried in 2018, yeah. you know, loses, sentenced to 15 years. So he appeals the decision. They grant the appeal, send it back down for a retrial, at which point they convict him again and now increase the penalty to death.
1: And just had that confirmed.
0: Yeah, and then his his uh, appeal, uh, his request for an appeal was denied uh, August
1: 10th. So, you know, the, the, the two trials of the two Michaels, uh, it goes without saying, lacks transparency due process. The trials were less than two hours. Nobody knows what the evidence is because there's probably no evidence whatsoever. Um, and this is a perfect example of a closed society, where you have a very direct uh, connection with politics and a judicial system and our Canadians being used as pawns because a Huawei executive is on an extradition hearing in Canada because the United States wants the person on fraud and we get our three Canadians being treated horribly uh, in cells where the lights are on 24 hours a day. It's disgusting. It's uh, there's, there's no words that we can use and as Canadians we stand with them. We, we urge our government and other governments to move quickly to get them out of there. And, and for Schellenberg, there's, it's, it's, it's repugnant that there should ever, if, if he ever were to be put to death in China, I have no words.
2: Yeah. yeah, and there's been a real lack of response, I think, from the government as part of the problem too. It's not just like they have failed to accomplish any goals or something. They just doesn't seem like they've even been trying to address the, the issue. And it's clearly political, well, the timing it, of it.
0: I I suspect they are but what I think we should take from it is to appreciate you know almost every Canadian would sit there and say what occurred there is a horror show Uh, and the point is that we recognize it as being a horror show in relation to what we see as the norms of an open uh, adversarial uh, system of criminal justice. And we can't lose that because right now it's a death by a thousand cuts to the adversarial system, um, and you know eventually you can end up with a system where you might not be able to recognize it. So I think that's, uh, you know, I have no doubt that diplomatically it's you know it's uh, there's stuff that's attempted, uh, but it's um, it's complicated. And the point is yeah. that um, we should we should not allow the same system to creep into. Our home country,
1: hundred percent. You know, diplomatically, there's things that go on behind the scenes, and and that's happening. And there's other countries involved, but that's the point. We talk about very importantly how to protect our rights here and what encroachments we have on our rights, and we're going to talk a lot about that today. But we can't let this happen to our justice systems, and uh, that's going to feed into maybe to some extent into the next story. Although it it comes out of the United States, and as a, I think I'm supposed to pause and give a hint that. Um, there's that clip from Professor Dershowitz that we'd uh, like to be able to play where he talks about the bias and the investigation of uh, Governor Cuomo. Um, but it's an important point, and it's amazing how four years or five years into the changes that we've experienced in the criminal justice system, because of certain legislation and certain interest groups, that um, back four or five years ago, you and I were making comments, I was making comments that our chief of police... Had specifically said after a certain trial, we believe women. And again, as laudable as that idea might have been, that leads to bias investigations. Professor Professor Dershowitz comes out in in the United States with the Andrew Cuomo investigation, which has its own flaws. And he comes out and he says that it is specifically um, a situation where um, there is no due process. The report can be challenged not only on the grounds of her running for the office, that is the attorney general who's in charge of it, but a bigoted, biased statement that women should be believed over men. If that's—if uh, there's a conflict between a woman and a man, you don't look at the evidence. You look at the gender and the gender of the reporter, and um, we've been saying that for years, and that's what we have here. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, um, you know, for the five years ago, that was the comment made because a bunch of people were going to the media and they weren't going to the police. And the police were being criticized for not laying charges, but they're like, well, nobody's come to us. So in part, that comment was to encourage people to come forward. And again, as we've talked about before, when um, people are telling their stories in the media, it becomes more and more difficult to, to look at, assess each story and say, well, these are similar facts or This person just happened to read the news and they adopted some of the the details that are in the news and how the media um, has this, I think, really improper effect upon how police make decisions. But the very clear message is that they're saying we want, we believe women. And so they're almost guaranteeing that if you go to the police, they're going to lay a charge, regardless of how stupid your story is, just to prove they they believe.
1: And, 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 you know, in the last two or three episodes, we've been talking about the making of a false accusation. So at the core of that is the bias in an investigation, the lack of a full investigation where you start from the premise that the person that's being investigated is guilty. That's what it means. And all the terminology in the criminal code, the terminology in, in the charge process, and frankly it creeps into the court process where I often lose my, my mind, is that we don't refer to the person who's making the accusation as what? The complainant but we refer to him as the, the
0: victim. victim which is a you presume that the event occurred and uh as the allegation is made so it's, it's i remember you crossing out the, on, the, on a
2: form you cro- crossed out the word victim and wrote complainant on it yeah you were fine yeah, because they've yeah, actually changed be. the forms that you file now too it, it, you know that's a great point it's an undertaking so
1: we have to fill out an undertaking uh, that promises all sorts of in cases that are Oh, there I, I swore. I'm sorry. Some one of our viewers didn't like me swearing, but please, um, Joe. What the? F- what? Please, f- Joe. Okay. But um, we get this form that we have to promise not to do certain things with the material that we get from the government called disclosure, and I understand that because there's sensitive material, but we have to share it with our client. But in this form, it referred to as the victim statement. The victim's this. The victim's that. And f- started crossing it out, and writing in, complain it because it's completely wrong and and we see from these comments um that you know people maybe are getting around to the idea that that having this type of attitude just creates and feeds into these mandatory charge mandatory prosecution without even thinking for a moment where the evidence is
2: well i think it's condescending that women need to be told apparently that everybody'll just believe anything they say right as opposed to you know Talk to us and, and provide us with convincing evidence. I mean, why would you not expect, like anybody else, like a man goes in and makes a complaint, regardless of whatever the issue is, and some some men get sexually assaulted, and uh, they don't expect to be just hashtag believed. They actually expect to to be taken seriously. It's like coddling. It's like treating women like children.
1: So, so this is a really good point you're making, and I'm glad you're making it, not me. But like, this is a good point. Like, I, I think you should emphasize this even more. So. Is the fact that that it comes out and says, you know, we believe women, Mm -hmm. is that really supporting um, those who are truly abused to come forward or is that paternalizing, is that really... um,
2: uh, Infantilizing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Their ability to report and convey information about a crime.
2: Well, and then we have the follow-up complaints that, um, you know, they, they say that the victims. The complainants aren't properly prepared to understand the court process and understand what's going to happen. And, you know, the fact they're going to be cross-examined. And so that was one of the big complaints, actually, in the case where they were, you know, calling for women to come forward saying they believe them. The biggest complaint afterwards was that they didn't understand the stuff that they said was going to be turned over to, you know, to the uh, accused. And so that uh, every email they sent or whatever is like, so they're trying to guarantee outcomes they're trying to guarantee a certain kind of treatment and you can't do that like you have to understand you're going to you know testify and you're going to be cross-examined and you know by not understanding the process then all of a sudden we have all these people saying later that our justice system's broken when in fact the justice system is working perfectly fine
1: yeah most of the time um but yeah, th- these are excellent points and it's you, you raised this before in, in one of the episodes that you know this it, You can have a witness who's the best friend of the deceased testify in a homicide. Yeah. You can have the victim of a home invasion testify, and they're going to be subject to rigorous cross-examination. Nobody's going to explain to him, hashtag, we believe the best friend of the deceased.
0: Or a person, uh, an attempt murder. There are no special rules uh, for the, uh, you know, the uh, yeah. the complainant in an attempted murder case who's been shot four times and who testifies, uh, there are no special disclosure rules or anything of that nature.
2: Isn't that crazy? And they have to testify twice because there's preliminary hearings.
1: Do, yeah. do we have to bring motions in an attempt murder if it's a male uh, uh, complainant? Please don't and give do the government bring, any ideas. Do we have to bring a motion to ask questions? Don't. don't. No, do you know, it's you it's know true. It we, don't,
0: we, don't, we don't have to have the court vet our cross-examinations, for fear that we're going to go into an area that is uh, irrelevant. That just is dealt with on the fly. A judge says, you know, if, if, if you lead into an area that is a collateral fact, that's unrelated, that's not uh, to the point of what's at issue, the crown objects. And even if the crown doesn't object, sometimes the judge says that's not relevant. Counsel, explain how it is, uh, and if it's not, move on.
1: Well, that's the old days.
0: That is the old days. Well, it's 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 still today for everything except for.
1: So, so let's talk about for the one minute. offense. So just although we don't deal with the U.S. Uh, per se with respect to wrongful accusations, but there are things we draw upon. But I just find some of this so interesting. Um, so. Of course, the uh, you know Professor Dershowitz talked about the right to be presumed innocent, which is a really great concept that we all kind of know about. Um,
2: Undermined uh, by calling people victims up front. Right. Yeah, um,
1: but you know, w- what was really funny was, and I, I don't mean this in a demeaning way, but w- there's a category of allegation here, which is really, as they say, which is dangerous to civil liberties and could seriously undercut the credibility of the report. And this is where we you let in with that great story. Which is really this is really important. This allegation is that Cuomo looked at a woman in a creepy way, focusing on particular parts of their body and looking them up and down. This is neither a crime nor a tort, meaning a, a civil type of uh, complaint. Nor is it subject to the proof, subject to proof or disproof. It's literally in the eye of the beholder, um, and. That's part of this harassment. Now, like whether he did or didn't, that's not the point of this. But your story was wonderful. Here was an accused being blamed for looking at a menacing way to a witness or to a crown attorney when yeah. they didn't have their glasses on. And we were just talking about how sometimes, I, like, honey, I stare into space. I could be just looking at somebody or, or I'm, I'm, I'm with my lovely wife, Marcy, and I'm talking to her. And she's going, where's your head at? Because she can tell, although I'm looking at her, uh, my head's not there because there's something else in my mind right now that I'm thinking about. So we're now going to make criminal harassment or we're going to go into the creepy area. And we've had these cases where a client is described as creepy and it's part of the synopsis of the crown or part of the evidence. Oh, yeah. And we're getting into, we're, we're. this is where we look at investigations from the outset and it's a creepy person who looks a creepy way, who looked at somebody a creepy way. And and that just feeds into the tainting and the bias of the investigation and and the bias of the evidence. Or am I just...
2: Well, the word creepy has always bugged me because that's your perception as the person who believes you're being viewed. And, and I'm the same way. Like when I'm thinking, I'm a very visual thinker. So whatever's in front of me, I'm actually you know picturing in my head something else. So I don't even see what's what's in front of me when I'm deep in thought. And, uh, but with somebody else, you know, you could look at anybody and think, oh, that looks really creepy and you have no idea what's in their mind. And that's where, like, you know, it must remain important what the mens rea is, what the, what the actual, you know, intent of the person, uh, themselves is. And the only person who can testify about what they were subjectively thinking is the accused person, right? So whatever it is, but like, I had a case where the guy was being accused of sexual harassment because she knew apparently that every time she turned around and had her back to him, that he was staring at her. I'm like, how do you know that? You have your back turned. By definition, you can't know what he's looking at. Yeah. But she was just assuming that that's what was going on because she had this weird perception around him, which is fueled potentially by her own bias towards this particular person, right? But the subjective quality of, of a lot of these accusations, when you're dealing with things that involve fear, when you're dealing with things that involve um, whether somebody feels like they were, you know, being touched in a certain way or whatever, like the subjective elements become really difficult, especially in sexual assault cases, I think. So,
1: you know, so I guess what we're trying to, you know, let's like break it down for a moment or, or slow it down a little bit for the people who are going to watch this is that, you know, one, what we're talking about now when we move from the concept of a wrongful or, or false accusation to uh, investigations and complaints that are launched that are inherently biased because we believe the person who's speaking to us, the victim, we label them the victim, and we interject into it a very heavy subjective element where we can refer to people as creepy, and that will then infect, like a virus, the investigation and frankly sometimes the prosecution. So these are two really crucial, dangerous elements that I don't think we pay enough attention to.
2: And the word creepy, I think, actually... Um, gets people thinking, how many other people is he being creepy to? And then they start calling for other complainants. The word creepy is actually very dangerous.
0: (laughs) There's a social psychology uh, concept called priming, uh, which is if you use certain language with people uh, before they actually describe something, it will affect the way in which they describe that interaction. And that's what we're, we're talking about. So, you know, obviously, uh, police officers, other witnesses, the more they hear about, you know, mm-hmm. the creepiness or these sorts of things, it affects the interpretation of their other observations.
2: We definitely see that in high profile cases where the media publishes stories and then other people come forward saying, I realize now in hindsight, right. because I've heard these other people's experiences, that it wasn't just me thinking he was creepy, but apparently he really is because everybody else thinks so. And I think, you know, you can actually remember things differently when you hear, especially this type of language.
1: It's all incredibly subjective. You know, if you say something enough times, people can come to believe it. We saw this with the craziness in politics. But if you say things enough times, you come to believe it. If you delude yourself, we've seen this in, as we spoke about, and you so correctly stated about the, you know, the cringe moment that leads to a false accusation with young people and sexual assault cases. But after you tell yourself a number of times or people reinforce this, you're primed to believe that that's actually the case.
2: Well, especially when you're trying to evade feelings of embarrassment, then it's like your whole being wants to make it somebody else's fault.
1: So we're getting at psychology about it here, but you know, does the criminal court system in Canada lend itself to listening to the psychological component of why an investigation may be flawed and why a prosecution may be flawed, and why a complainant may be
2: lying. No. Well, we're not even permitted, and and there are some good reasons, but we're not permitted to get into (laughs) the simple answer. (laughs) I'll give the more complicated one. Um, We're not allowed to get into the mental health aspects. If somebody is suffering from a certain kind of mental illness, say a paranoia of some sort, or... Um, they can get manic or depressed or whatever. It's obviously going to color their perception of what's happening around them. So it is relevant, but we can't get into mental health aspects. And, you know, for the good reason that... You
1: know, well, some, we can to some extent if it comes out, but we we can't go fishing. So we, we can't try and get information, uh, you know, just at large without knowing that somebody may suffer from a mental health issue. But if there's, a, you know, we, we've had cases where... It's been disclosed, um, maybe through error or whatever, that somebody suffers from a delusional disorder, and then you get into it. But you're right, it's, it's heavily shielded. And if we don't know about it, um, we can't go looking for it.
2: Right. Well, we actually have a, a current case that, you know, where the person uh, specifically uses the fact that she's having a panic attack and an anxiety attack. As part of the evidence to support that something she was assaulted, but in fact she makes it very clear that she suffers, you know, from anxiety disorder. So, so that's the kind settings. of thing in social settings. So that's exactly the kind of thing where it becomes relevant: Are you having an anxiety or panic attack because of what happened, or because you happen to suffer from these and you tend to have panic attacks at night? Right.
1: Right, and this feeds into your, you know, priming and other sociological aspects that. She's now telling herself, this is a case we have ongoing right now, because I was suffering a panic attack at the time, I was being assaulted and in a very uncomfortable situation with somebody who was quite creepy towards me, and it just feeds upon itself, and then that becomes the truth when it's absolutely not the truth, Mm -hmm. and we're sure in this case it's not the truth, and God willing, we'll be able to establish that. But it's amazing how, you know, we often say this to judges, but it may go over Their heads, or they don't want to deal with it. I, 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 when jury trials happened pre-COVID, we, I'd say to a jury, "You probably did." Or, what do you know about these people? What do you know about the complaint? You know about ten seconds of their life. That's all you know. You don't know anything about them, and you're going to make massive judgments on somebody's liberty and whether somebody's telling the truth without knowing very, with without knowing very much about them. In fact, you know very little, and and we are not equipped. We are really not equipped to deal with this type of infection into our justice system or where we talk about creepiness and we talk about how somebody may appear, how they're looking, what the psychology is behind, how somebody's coming across and how that infects the investigation and the trial. And that's a very serious
2: element. Well, we're prepared because we actually do like you know take the time to to paint that story and to put things into context like that but but it's it's amazing how like a type of language can completely flavor people you know the trier of facts perception of the of of the facts just because they heard certain words and they're just like you know it's uh language is a lot of people think that that lawyers are all just about using words and twisting words but words are actually very very important and you know, in terms of like the human history of storytelling and stuff is like, yeah. this, is what we're, this is what we're doing when we're living is we're living stories, we're telling stories all the time. And that's the art that I love working with you is that, you know, the art of the storytelling and we're unlike a fiction novel where you can just make up whatever facts you're stuck. You're working with the facts that you have, but you have to make those facts a living, breathing thing for the, either the jury or the judge.
1: Thank you. <laughs> like, but you no, know, but it's true. You know, people don't appreciate, and and this is where a lot of people don't have justice served to them when they're an accused. Is w- we can spend one week, forty to fifty, sixty, seventy hours crafting out one cross examination and going over the chess game and the words and the story that we're telling and how that has to mesh with our client's story. And it's and when we say the word story, it's not mean we're making something up, but we have to have. A coherence to what we're doing, so that they understand, so that the trier of fact understands, so that we're able to communicate through to an accused, uh, you know, his story, get it out to everybody, and then cross-examine the person on it. And it takes time. Words are very powerful, and the language you're using, and and you you, you bring, you know, a richness to to language into the, what we do, and it's so incredibly important. But this goes down. It, we, we're attuned to the psychology. I think you're at the cutting edge, we're at the cutting edge of trying to figure out what's behind a lot of this. But I think in general, the system is still quite, um, uh, 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 quite desensitive to that. Mm-hmm. And, and that worries me. And when I see stuff like this growing and growing and how it deals, I mean, it's mostly hitting right now. We see people who are I profile getting hit by this, but it's really disturbing.
0: No, but it's, it's trickling down you know, to yeah. to every, every everyday folks.
2: Well, in these prosecutions by, like, you know, the media, right, where it's not in a proper courtroom, you're right. only hearing one side of the story because yeah. the accused person, for good reason, can't actually, you know, tell yeah. their entire side of the story. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's impossible to get a fair hearing when only one story is told and 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 if they actually do give a statement to the journalist, you never know if you're gonna be misquoted or you're gonna have it twisted and like there's no ethics there's no it's not like a courtroom where the facts are treated fairly
1: well you know this is why I, I think that our our system in Canada and in Commonwealth countries like like Australia and the UK is far better than the United States and for those viewers who we have from the US please don't get pissed off but Everything's tried in the media in the United States. I mean, by the, and, and, and somebody who's watching, I, I work with US lawyers all the time. We do, because we have cases that cross over the border. But the statistics of what actually goes to trial and then succeeds is like minuscule. <laughs> like, uh, because of how everything is dealt with in the US and how things are so heavily publicized and how you're tried in the media. I mean, your chances of success are—you're are, vilified before you even get a chance in front of a jury.
2: I would say one of the biggest issues that I've seen with the the U.S. system is that they give like hundreds of years as a sentence, and like their oh, their uh, sentencing is so extreme yeah. that a lot more people take guilty pleas yeah, even if true. they didn't do it. So,
1: yeah. well, although to the to the U.S. credit, um, many judges in the United States, with the federal sentencing guidelines, really revolted against that at a period of time and said. This is insane. Um, And then you see at state levels that sentencing isn't quite what we think it is. It's not really those two, three hundred year sentencing. But but what I worry about and what I don't want to see in Canada is because there's this constant argument. And I think it's an important point that people may think is a little bland here is people talk about transparency in our criminal justice system and how, you know, it doesn't serve justice. It doesn't protect the victim and all that other type of bullshit. And and the reality is if we had cameras in courtrooms and we had greater uh, transparency that way, I bet you we'd have less acquittals, in my opinion. I don't think we'd have greater transparency. Anybody can come down to a courthouse and watch. You can come Absolutely. down. It's an open courthouse. Come down.
2: When, when there are open.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, you, you can even go on Zoom.
0: Actually, you can That's right true. now.
1: They've made it open cool. to the public. It, it's open to Zoom. Yeah. You know, if you want to be involved, you can. The problem is, I don't want to mix in the media uh, and and what people may think is you know fun to be out and have have on you know your local news in Buffalo or you know Peterborough that you know you're able to cross examine or the accused testified and all that shit gets out there because it puts different pressure on judges, it puts different pressure on juries, and it'll change the dynamics of our process. And I think it'll be much worse. And and and, and we have to be so careful about what we've been talking about, which are these wrongful accusations and these these really biased investigations.
2: Yeah, well, I actually just um, came across a decision that's, um, I haven't even told you about this one, but it's uh, from the Alberta Court of Appeal, and they're um, disagreeing with the Ontario Court of Appeal. Over something that's going to Supreme Court, so this is a, um, extreme intoxication as a as a defense where you reach a Can point. Can you explain
1: that, that a little bit for everybody because they might understand the courts and everything?
2: So uh, previously, according to common law, you could um, you could make a defense of um, being in a state of a, being an automaton, so you're not in control of what you're doing.
1: What does common law
2: mean? And so, common law is established by by, so, by court decisions that like, it's not in the legislation, it's not in the criminal code, it's just court made law. Court made law. And um, so then that got, um, they decided that uh, it should be an available defense, but it's a reverse onus. So if you're saying I was out of control, you have to then now prove it. So right?
1: reverse onus means you have to establish it.
2: Yeah. So the burden's on you instead of on the Crown. Right. And uh, so then they determined that, uh, you know, that that wasn't uh, constitutional to deny somebody the defense right. in a case. It was a huge public outrage because it was misrepresented saying, Okay, um. Rapists will get off because they're drunk now. People can yeah. go get drunk and then rape with impunity. Is right. Is the way they worded it. And yeah. it was ridiculous. It, like, it's very rarely successful, this defense. Yeah. It's because it's a reverse onus. So then Parliament rushed off. They were given a year to, to replace the law. And so they, um, they put it into the criminal code. So it wasn't just common law. And then now it's been challenged with two interesting cases that, um, where a person was doing magic mushrooms and was witnessed by a number of people losing, completely losing his mind, unexpected response to the drug. Um, Didn't know who who he was. He was like the Blues Brothers on a mission from God trying to kill Satan or something like that. And he ended up attacking his own parents. And uh, it was very tragic. Stabbed his
0: his father... uh...
2: Yeah, and, and was, the second case that was um, you know, dealt with by the Court of Appeal at the same time was actually even more tragic where the guy was trying to commit suicide and he didn't end up dying, but he had you know, drugged himself to the extent that he didn't know who he was and he attacked his mother and seriously injured her. And so um, when they looked at those cases, they are saying, yeah, these people could actually, there were lots of witnesses and, as to the state they were in and so on, they and should there was have been no able mo- to argue No this. motive,
0: no nothing. Right. It was clearly... Yeah. And the question was voluntary ingestion.
2: Yeah, right. So, um, so they said it was unconstitutional because they were substituting what they chose to do, which was ingest the drugs, with you know saying that that meant that they chose to commit a crime. Whereas, you know, it's like so. So, I think it's a really strong decision. It's going to Supreme Court, but the Alberta Court of Appeal just like tore to shreds in a vitriolic um, decision where they were just like focused almost primarily on the public outrage that resulted from, um, from this law, you know, being tossed out as unconstitutional, and this concept, misinformation, that it would allow people to drink and then rape with impunity. And so a large portion of the decision focused really saying, we're saying this is constitutional because the public would be outraged if we didn't.
1: Isn't that disgusting? Yeah. Yeah. So think about that for a moment so we can break it down so people aren't necessarily bored when we're talking about this. So, you know, extreme intoxication is not a defense necessarily to a sexual assault case. However, there are instances where somebody who is highly intoxicated or reacting to a substance in a manner where they are no longer voluntarily acting, that that should be available as a defense regardless of whether it's a homicide or it's, it's a sexual assault. But that doesn't mean the floodgates are going to open and anybody who decides to get so, drunk has an excuse. That's just wrong.
2: Like, we're yeah. not talking about drunk. We're talking about, like, you're in a state of autom- automatism.
1: automatism. Yeah. yeah, so you're, like, acting like a robot without any voluntary ability to control what you're doing. And, and that the court, was it the Alberta Court of Appeal mm-hmm. went nuts because of what was public opinion. And God forbid we should ever elect judges in Canada,
2: oh, right?
0: God, that'd be terrifying. Right,
1: right. But this is where there's that slippery slope that when we get the public interest and, and, and certain groups saying what they want to say about a decision, and then a court reacting to that, which I think is inappropriate, there may be instances where you have to get the pulse of the community, absolutely, but that's just wrong. Because it's not like the floodgates have opened and in the last you know, three weeks or a month or two months, we've had massive acquittals because people have been drinking. It's just no. not the case.
2: No. And public faith in the legal system is important. It's integral that you know the public believes the system is working properly and functionally. Yeah. That relies on them having proper information about what's yeah, going on in the courts. of right? what's actually. Occurred. But at the same time, we can't let the public dictate who gets convicted and who doesn't, because as we know, we stopped doing public executions because the public enjoyed it too much, right? Yeah. So, so this is why we yeah. have protections because mob rule is not a good thing. And, and there's no difference between that kind of mob rule and, you know, the mob ruling through their public commentary and then, you know, Twitter and so on.
1: Agreed. What do you think, Marcy?
2: I agree.
1: No, really. <laughs> Should the public rule what happens in our courtrooms? You're just a citizen.
2: I am a citizen. You and married I, me
1: a couple of years. And know, I do like...
2: enjoy going to court and watching you in court. First well, that's,
1: long. yeah, it's not, but you know, Do you think the public should rule what goes on in the courts or it should be based on more better principles?
2: Much better principles. We should stay out of it completely. Or you just have 12 members of the public who were all sequestered with proper instructions. That's that's with proper instructions. That's with proper instructions from from a judge and a
1: whole process in place. But we should not have our justice system ruled by public opinion.
0: Yeah, by popularity.
1: You're looking at me. What would you like next? Because you're looking at me in a menacing, creepy way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Um, but thinking about what people don't understand, too, is like, um, let's think about when charges get dropped because somebody's privacy was violated. And, uh, Great topic. Yeah. So um, so they have tons of evidence on a cell phone, but the cell phone was searched improperly. Right. and uh, And then the public is outraged because there's evidence that a crime was committed and the person gets to walk away scot-free. Why is it important that the privacy is upheld for somebody's, say, cell phone?
1: So let's create a title for this part, okay? So I'm we're concerned about the overreach of government, the connection of overreach government and big corporations, social media, uh, and um, uh, technology, and and how that can be used to invade privacy. There's a lot of issues here. And you know, for example, we've had the issue with Apple and their new software, and how that will track. What is it? A fingerprint?
0: Yeah, it's a digital fingerprint uh, that is on certain photographs
1: and videos. I suspect.
0: <clears throat> so there are um, photos that uh, you know in the sorry in the it's area. A, it's a potential client.
1: Yeah, uh, in the area is more important. Oh,
0: Particularly child pornography, there's a a large market of people who share the same images. No, thank you. I'm, I'm good Mm -hmm. for now. Uh, And these repeated images, the you know, companies have figured out Google and you know certain other uh, very smart companies have been able to figure out. Are
1: you controlling my porn?
0: These guys just. (laughs) I know, eh? have figured out this the the,
2: really good night so you're gonna have to restart (laughs) i know sorry about
0: that yeah anyway these companies have figured out the kind of digital fingerprint that these photos have and as it passes through you know certain databases and whatnot they're able to figure out oh you know be on the lookout for this particular photo and then alert the authorities that this photo has been, you know, gone through an ISB uh, linked, you know, sent up to the Internet or downloaded, etc. So now Apple has decided that not only are they going to, you know, it's bad enough that it's on the Internet. uh, They're going to search individuals' phones for these photos. So
2: there is, to be fair to Apple, there is a purpose to it. They want to try and stop... Child sexual abuse. Yeah, Yeah. no, laudable, of course. Uh, So they're they're trying to vet and be able to flag where there's um, sexualized image of children, and they're primarily they they let you set the phone to say that this phone is owned by somebody under a certain age, and if that the phone of somebody under a certain age um, receives or sends images that appear to be by scanning numerically or whatever appear to be of nude people that it would flag it and if there's more than one flag on an account that it would then notify them and then a human can look at them that's my understanding of of what it is they're saying they're doing
0: all right well that's something totally different than uh, i read in the papers and is actually terrifying because that means that it's not simply looking for known images Right. But rather doing a algorithm to
2: determine what type of what you know how much flesh is exposed in a phone owned by a person under a certain age. Let's think about this for a second, okay?
1: You're taking a photograph of your children. You're taking a photograph, you know, and 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 this is now the company that you bought your phone from now can just with reckless abandonment have access to all this information. And And I frankly I don't want to be sued by Apple, but I, I, the sharing platform and all that I didn't
2: think With provided enough. There's some dispute. Enough. We'll just say that. There's some dispute over what the program is going to do and what it isn't going to do. Right.
1: And I, I think it's ripe for uh, for misuse. And the problem is data collection. We're in a we're in an age now about overreach and data collection. You can be on whatever side you want about COVID or everything else, but you go somewhere, you give your name, your address, your cell phone number, you scan a code so you can have dinner. We have phones now that are being surveilled by Apple. Uh, yes, laudable for child pornography, but they're going to have access to well, photographs. And everything true. gets up. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it, everything gets like, uploaded to the cloud. And I don't, Androids, I have yeah. never, Androids too, but I have never had a sense of security about stuff going up to where it is with some giant thing in some desert with 20 million CPUs sitting out there where my shit's stored because I was always worried about access to that. How do you ensure security? So we are giving away so much in privacy, and the way our government operates is they wanna know every single thing we do.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because now, you know, crossing the border, I was just talking to my my mother, who's a travel agent about this, because apparently, you know, with this vaccine passport uh, and whatnot, you're gonna to have to have stuff electronically. There's not gonna be a paper. I said, well, I don't understand. I never take my phone across the border. um, uh, Whenever I travel, I don't. You never do. I know he's Is going. Is that to,
1: why you don't return my emails for God's sake? I know he's
0: going to lose his mind. Jesus
1: Christ! Now we know. Now no, I know.
0: The, you don't have any privacy rights when you go across a border. The solicitor-client privilege. It, it, I have no defense against anything. Uh, U.S. Border Patrol, Mexican Border Patrol. They want to search my phone. They can do it. Canadian Border Patrol. When I come back, they can search my phone. Solicitor-client or none. So I don't bring an electronic device with me. I don't bring my laptop and so on and so forth. Yeah, because this is I am I am
1: a seriously frightening.
0: I know. Well, he's more frightened that the fact that he now understands why he can never reach me. And when I'm on holiday. No, that's what I was worth it. <laughs> but yeah. So but now the government's saying you need to have well, there's they
2: another won't reason, sir. I remember you saying, Stop fing emailing me. <laughs> I f***ing hate it leave me off your email group list
0: well that yes that's... Well, i used to have a i was afraid
2: of uh, you uh, when I, I, first I used him. to have another <laughs> partner
1: who's now a judge used to stay with me say you're an over emailer i'm getting irrationally angry at you stop f-ing emailing me yeah. but in any event but i just really, don't respond
2: it's a anyway. great point
0: yeah so wow yeah
2: but we all know that if you're talking to somebody about something and then you go to Google something, it'll autofill it like it knows what you're talking about. Absolutely. We all know that happens. Absolutely. So when we all know that happens, of course, they want to do some sort of scanning photo image software. And we're just like, yeah, what's actually going to happen with that? They're, te- they're saying it's only going to you know, flag certain things. And, <clears throat> and it takes more than one flag for you to actually have a, a human being go in and actually look at whatever you're sending. But that's what they're saying now It's just if the technology is there to convey the information, what are they going to use it for later? Because we all know about Snowden and. Right. You know. Exactly. So so
1: let's focus for one second and bring it back a little bit to the work we've been doing and and go with our theme a little bit about about cases. So um, so we have a case right now that we're going to be actually meeting with somebody relatively soon, maybe tomorrow, and talking about privacy and text messaging. hmm. And um, we've seen with changes in legislation here in Canada that if we want to take text messages involving a complainant in a sexual-related offense, we have to apply to a judge and ask uh, for us to be able to use it and prove relevance, et cetera, because they have a heightened Apparently. privacy interest.
2: Apparently, they have a privacy interest.
1: Good, good point. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: a heightened privacy interest in those text communications. So that means we have to vet it through a judge, any messaging between the accused and the complainant in a sexually related case, so sexual assault, and we have to disclose that, as we talked about many episodes before. And so the complainant gets it, the complainant has a lawyer, and we have to really override the privacy interests, the apparent privacy interests of the complainant to find relevance and be able to muster that evidence
2: but if the complainant goes to the police and wants to give everybody them everybody
1: listen to this
2: if the com- complainant goes to the police and says and i've got text messages where he admits guilt or whatever it's like they can give whatever text messages they want to the police and it absolutely there's no privacy interest assumed on the part of without warrant the accused person without a warrant without a warrant
1: so so the 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 complainant can waive the privacy interests of the sender the right.
2: accused, but the but the accused can't waive the privacy rights of of the complainant, mind you. We were talking about this earlier today. Uh, in Canada, you, uh, you we 100%. have a one-party recording state, so or country. So if one person involved in a conversation wants to record it, they don't need permission and they can record it legally, right? Same. So what's the difference between that and text messages? So let's,
1: let's just explain that to everybody. So. If because people don't necessarily understand this, so let's say, Diana, you and I are having a phone conversation and we're having an argument about as we do about you know the Blue Jays and the bullpen, and I'm critical and you're not, um, and sorry, I decide ball bullpen 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 the relief pitchers.
0: Oh, okay. Sorry. All right.
1: <sighs> Anyways, if it's not the Raptors, I don't know. I decide we'll get there. I decide to record this conversation. That conversation can be legally recorded and used as evidence should it be necessary to introduce in a trial. That's and one way that consent,
2: I'm not, not a Blue Jays fan. You
1: should be. That's one way consent, right? That's mm-hmm. one way consent. So everybody should understand that if you're in a dispute or you're <laughs> something's going on and you're worried about something, somebody can be recording that conversation. It's it's one way. It's two parties. But it's one-way consent. Mm-hmm. So your point was excellent, which you said earlier, is, well, if you're allowed to do that, what's the difference in the text message I sent?
2: I could have said something personal during that phone call as well, You know, in, in between talking about pitchers and bullpens and, and Blue Jays. I really could have said pitching. something personal, and, and it wouldn't matter that there was something personal in there. You still have the permission to record it because you're aware you're recording it.
1: Right. So we're, we're living now in a two-tiered system, where in the criminal justice system, when we talk about the capture of private information and overreach of government, we're talking about privacy interests of a complainant or a victim as they call it, having supremacy over any privacy interest of anybody accused of a crime who may be falsely accused. So we have zero interest. Now, we're gonna talk about tomorrow to see what we can do about that. Is there a way to advance a privacy interest to say that you need a warrant at least to access messages in a complainant's phone because they can't waive your privacy interest.
2: Well, what I've seen is that um, one of the reasons this is even under dispute where an audio recording um, uh, isn't is that people's phones are essentially like personal computers now. And so they're they're recognizing that what you do with your phone is essentially documenting your entire life, that the things you could find by searching somebody's phone are so invasive and so personal that, that they uh, are concerned that warrants are obtained and that the warrants are specific about what they're allowed to access.
1: Right. So, But I think we're there. So just so everybody understands, if it's my phone that they want as an accused, they have to execute a warrant. And it has to be specific.
2: They can take your phone, but they can't search it without can't a warrant. Can't search it. Right?
1: They're going to need a warrant to search it. It needs to be specific. Get it.
2: Never go I'm to the police station with a phone. I'm, <laughs>
1: Never correct.
2: Never go to the police station with a phone. Just Never. so, you know, anybody... Not that we're dispensing advice. advice.
1: But I'm concerned about messages that are sent by people to somebody else's phone. A crime is alleged. That complainant goes to the police, gives consent, and then the message that's sent has zero privacy. We are truly valuing a complainant's right to waive your right of privacy and their own privacy well above the person who sent the message. What does that mean? We're in a context now of everything, almost everything, almost everything we send over social media. And frankly, do we really have a choice? I know you talk about alternative, you know, an alternative to Google where we could advertise duck, or duck post go. things.
2: For anybody who wants to know. Not that see we're out. supporting
1: another company, but...
2: Just saying there's alternatives. There may be, but the reality is... I send is letters. Our lo- what? <laughs> you handwrite letters? I don't
0: handwrite them, but I send them.
2: <laughs> you, you, I know,
0: he's losing his you mind. A monocle a pipe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> God, and you're 10 years younger than me, man. But the reality is we are so intertwined in this technology that down the road, there's nothing about us that can be hidden anymore. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about the manufacturing, maybe we're not doing a great job of it. We're trying to add up the denominators here. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: A false accusation, a biased investigation, and access to information without any judicial authorization that's just simply open to companies and government to
2: share, to acquire. Is anybody worried about that? Because I am. So there was, and you are there was an open letter against apple's privacy invasion content scanning technology, and you know a lot of the points being made in here are being disputed by Apple as to what it is they're putting on but um you know there's a lot of signatories and not just by individuals but by people who specialize in privacy rights um, on the internet and so they're the main point that they're trying to make is um, that there's mission creep so. It starts out looking for child pornography, noble goal, right? Yeah. Um, but then also things, the database can get expanded to include terrorist content, right? Um, this is something that's happened in the past. There's like, that's a note from Open Privacy Research Society. Um, there's also a Center for Tem- Democracy and Technology. Like these are people who specialize in, right. um, in um, protecting people's privacy rights and in a digital era. And uh, one of the things that I keep, the acronym for what they're doing is C-S-A-M. That's uh, like child sexual abuse. um, I can't remember what the M is for, but I keep, every time I look at that, I was like, all they have to do is switch the first two letters and it says scam. (laughs) 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 That's like every time I look at it, that's all I can think about. The
0: thing that, you know, because the knee jerk reaction is to say, look, you know, we're just they're just trying to get rid of pedophiles and the rest. All right? Uh how can you complain about I was that? gonna say something so bad right now. You were, know. but I'm trying to cut you off. Um but what you have to remember is that this technology you know, it may start out very innocuous, uh, but do you think that the Chinese government is not gonna use that on um, people in Hong Kong who are organizing, uh, you know, just basic democratic rights. Uh, what about in Russia? You know, there was a man who was just sentenced to, I think it's fifteen years for uh, being a pro-democratic, um, you know, uh, opposition person, right? And this was just a man and a wife, you know, sentenced to to that. You don't think that this sort of technology gets dissipated uh and ends up in being abused. Uh, being abused by people who you don't like
2: i can't believe just thinking about like you know, sentencing stuff. so i can't believe that there's a death penalty for robert schellenberg for for drug crimes like in canada we had the death penalty which was thankfully abolished but it was for things like murder right like the death penalty Capital for murder.
0: Actually, yeah. when I read <laughs> when I read more about Schiller, it was actually too, he was, you know, uh, convicted of exporting meth <laughs> from China to Australia. <laughs> so it's actually it's not even for the domestic market. Which it's not like he's you bringing
2: know, it in and corrupting their just, own people.
0: It's like okay, you produce it in that country, <laughs> moving it. Uh, I don't mean to laugh, but it just it just. Sh- shocked me even more. I was like, what? "Look,
1: It's a political move oh, to, to for, you know, I guess we're back on this topic, but it's a political move to force Canada's hand with something we can't, we can't move on. We have international obligations and we adhere to our international treaties with extradition and nor should we be bullied, but it's disgusting. And, and apparently
2: and, the accused person in Canada, I think is in Vancouver right now, is living in luxury well, she's waiting for trial. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, she's yeah. an ankle monitor. As, guys are like, she should, like, but, as, but there's nothing wrong with that. She should
0: she be should. treated. She's presumed innocent. She's going through the process. She's, you know, that's how
1: it should be. It's a, not. And a, and but it's not like there's some sort not of a, you know,
2: human rights crime going on in Canada that China's reacting to. You know, no.
1: She's look. It's been a number of years now, but she's in a very beautiful home. They have the money for it. She's on an ankle monitor, but she's treated with respect and civility. Can go out to dinner isn't subjected to the lights being on in their cell 24 hours a day. These, Cana- these three Canadians mm-hmm. are in deplorable conditions. There's no doubt that the two Well, one's going to be executed. Murdered. Murdered. Not executed. Murdered.
2: For something murdered. we would never approve of, you know...
1: Actually, We're coming to, to a point in our lives where we are seeing certain governments be non-stop belligerents and doing certain things against human rights, which are, which are amazing to me where we are right now. It, it, it's 2021, we've had a pandemic, we've got global warming crisis, we've got a lot of issues. And this is the stupidity we're dealing with.
2: Allegedly, global warming. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm was just kidding. Pretty, <laughs> you better, <laughs> better be joking. It's that pretty hot up <laughs> This is
1: over. <laughs> I want to go to Athens, the damn thing south of it is burning. That's just, a I, I, like yeah, you just no, well, you know, succeeded. Like we're, we're, that's our honeymoon next year. <laughs> two years into waiting. Like, I want Athens to be there when I get there. But the reality is we're dealing with like we're back in the 16th century. We don't kill people because maybe they traffic drugs. I don't even believe their verdict, but leaving that
2: aside, yeah. if they did, we don't do that. Right. We should I was be shocked, spending though, time on this insanity. To find out that, like, that more than 50% of Canadians would like to see the death penalty back again.
0: Well, that doesn't surprise me.
2: I was shocked. I'm sad about that. I know. I'm sad about that because because you know they believe but not for dealing drugs, you know. We're talking about things like murder, I think. No, they're talking yeah. about things also when it comes to pedophilia
1: and others. There's extremism yeah, here. Yeah. And and the reality is and we and and you know, the way we treat our criminals is a reflection of who we are as a society. And I'm like, obviously quoting, but you know, that's reality. That's, if we want to be a civil society, we treat our criminals well. It doesn't mean they don't get jailed. A life term, when you're a dangerous offender or you're not, like, that's forever. You're in a cell, you're locked up. That's, that, there's no enjoyment in life, but we don't execute people. And, and when we talk about the wrongful convictions that we've seen and the wrongful accusations,
2: like, well, Jesus, do we want to take things. those risks? Yeah. The United States executes people and gets it wrong. Yeah. And that's the most important thing to remember is like this idea that it's better to let nine guilty people go free than to convict one innocent is not a deal where we're agreeing to let nine guilty people go free. It's a statement of how important it is not to convict and incarcerate innocent people.
1: Absolutely. And unfortunately There's no
2: agreement that we're actually going to, for every one innocent person, we're going to let go. We're going to also let nine guilty people go free. It's just an expression. right? Like,
1: but this will circle us back to at the beginning of what we we're talking about, about Chris's great anecdotal story about a poor accused in a trial who
2: blind man. was blind, essentially, <laughs> essentially, and was accused
1: of looking menacingly on a, a crown. Crown, yeah. And a judge took umbrage on that when the person couldn't see. And then that leads into what we spoke about when it comes to a, a bias investigation, where we believe one group simply because of a gender, race, religion, whatever, then that leads into overreach by government and corporations tied in together, getting access to our information. We are going to a very dangerous point where, when you said initially, when we talked about the two Michaels in China, we don't want to see our system turn into something to be completely unrecognizable.
2: It's the slippery slope, which is not a fallacy. It, is, it actually happens.
1: Absolutely, it's not a fallacy, it's reality. We can easily get there and we have to be very careful to protect against that. Mm-hmm. And you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more, I guess in our next episode, there's a couple more cases yeah. we wanna well, talk We got about. a
2: couple of questions from viewers to answer. Oh,
1: you, we're gonna deal with that now, but we're gonna talk a little bit more about these wrongful cases. But there's some, there's some questions that keep creeping up from our viewers. and, and again, Creeping?
2: Well, no, no, there, no. there's some repetition because people are still I mean, <laughs> creeping. Intelligently <Yes>. raised. <laughs> so, I mean, um, this the sort of mission creep and and Can somebody just you know, this like hashtag believe share me. in that shit, Right, yeah. You, like, you, know, you know, remember. Can you see it, honey? When you're watching this. Yeah. When you're watching it, like it. Share it. Share it. What's the other one? Like, subscribe. oh subscribe. and s- subscribe. We love a lot of subscriptions. It's free. All you do is push subscribe. It's probably on the bottom of your screen right now. <laughs> and probably. if you subscribe, then you get to see it as soon as it's published instead of waiting for us to try and tell you about it because we're all very busy people and we forget sometimes to tell you right away. So subscribe so you can see as soon as it's released. You get a you know, I think sometimes we have these, like, really interesting live, um, so what is it called when we, when it's like a, we watch it at the same time when you and I have gone online and live, answered yeah. questions live to the live, yeah. so But that's fun. So but also, if you're stupid. on Apple and you're listening to this on Apple, leave a review. That
1: criminal lawyer is stupid. He says something stupid. He's a stupid criminal lawyer. All right, I love get to the question. Well,
2: just, that's YouTube comments
1: okay i love them all we love youtube commenters
2: they're fun so um so yeah this uh question was i can't remember how it tied in but it did tie into what we were talking about earlier um so why do false accusers not get punished
1: hmm. uh well I th- there's no th- th- false accusers what are
2: you talking about <laughs> they're all victims. They're all victims. No, but, but that's, the, that's the hardcore truth. They're double victims. They're victims in the first place, and they're victims of the justice system when the guy gets acquitted. No.
1: No, no. They're triple victims. They're victims when they're allegedly victimized. They're victims when they have to come to court and ask questions. And they're even worse victims when the accused gets acquitted because it's a false accusation.
2: Yeah, and they're being called liars. Right? No, but, but
1: let's talk about this for a moment. It's a great question
0: yeah well realistically it would be uh no no government would ever allow uh a complainant who was unsuccessful um to on, be, i'm gonna send an email to be charged uh, and prosecuted
1: dear prime minister
0: absent some very serious i know
1: you're running for reelection uh, you know
0: unimpeachable
1: do you think there should be stronger legislation? Oh, evidence. Chris is talking right
0: now. Evidence of uh, you know somebody making something up. All right. And the reason is because you know you don't want to um, undermine. You don't want to dissuade people from making allegations that they think uh, the that are true, even if the evidence isn't there, and the person ultimately gets acquitted.
1: Do you think we can distinguish between a bullshit? allegation that's demonstrably false sorry i swore um and i interrupted so i apologize those people don't like me doing that but you but um
0: politically that's never going to happen do you think we can distinguish
1: between a demonstrably false accusation and one that just wasn't proven
2: well i think people need to remember that when if somebody's being charged with uh, making a false accusation the burden of proof then shifts to their side so to so you can't just say, i oh, got acquitted, therefore i am proven false. Correct. It's like, no, you have to assess whether or not you could actually prove that the person with some malice um, made a false accusation, or did they actually believe that to be true, which is commonly the case. By right. the time they go there, they actually believe what they're saying is true, in which case they're not guilty, right?
0: Now, there are some instances where you know, I can't help but think that that should be applied. Um, I think of that case out in B.C. with a number of... Uh, of of girls who may who all eventually confess to making a false allegation against a classmate, uh, you know that's kind of a horror show in which uh, it's not just one, two, three, four, but six uh, conspired to you know ruin a classmate's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, in th- in that sort of instance, six. Uh, I can't help.
1: I don't mean to interrupt. Six people conspired to make a false accusation.
0: Oh, right. Six. Well, one person you know, made the false accusation. The other you know, five you know, assisted and covered up and uh, this is backed why them up.
2: I want to make an important point here. The universities are being asked to change policies. The uh, advocacy groups are being asked to let people make anonymous third-party accusations. All you have to do is say, I don't like this guy. Can I get like three or four people? who don't even have to give their names to go and make yeah. a complaint, and they're demanding that every complaint, even if it's anonymous, be recorded, that the university can't investigate. Like, this is literally policy being proposed to universities now. We have a new
1: case. We have a new case that came into our office. A poor student, I'm not gonna name the university, but it's in Toronto, and it's not York, um, and it's not Ryerson, <laughs> but- um, I was gonna say, there's two more, but oh, oh, no, God. <laughs> The police only laid a charge of one count of assault. They didn't lay the other charges. But the university thinks they can investigate all the other s*** that this person said. And guess what? He may not be going to university. Sometime. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. He's, he's yeah. going to be kicked out while he... Well, is my problem. It's
2: like, this so. is insane. Criminal accusations should be, you know, belong in the, the domain of the police. And this is why I don't think Apple should be getting involved in... Doing exactly. police work and universities shouldn't be involved in doing police work. Police should do police work and they should also investigate and do police work properly. So let's stop for a second because, you know, I, I,
1: we've all met in our days of practice very good police officers. I don't want Absolutely. people to assume, based upon what we are saying or do in this podcast, that there are not very dedicated, good police officers who want to get it right. Quite the contrary.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I have a very good friend who's a police officer for 34, 35 years. And that, he is exactly the type of person if your child was in trouble, you'd want him to run to. Yeah. And he would do everything he can to take care of that person. And he will have, and he's exercised discretion even when he was told he doesn't have it, okay? Yeah. And I've met a lot of those officers. And, and, and I bet if you were to talk to seasoned officers, They'd say we want the discretion, we want the, the ability to investigate, we want the ability to use our brain and the tools that we have,
0: and to call BS to when investigate they say BS and call
1: bullshit what it is. Not to mention, some police officers are now finding that they're subject to the same bullshit right, right. and getting charged yeah, yeah. in high-conflict divorces I've got and four domestic cases. Four police
2: officers who contacted me through my nonprofit. Lighthouse. And, yeah. But and, we have a
1: gift for you with a lighthouse and I think I'm oh, for your right? birthday. Oh, I just yeah, want to do it
2: on camera. It. You're the worst. going to be 45. You're the worst. It. Oh, yeah. Right? Thank you. But
1: but but this is really important. We need to move back. The UK and in London police has actually backed off of the policy of saying to some extent we believe. They have. It's a battle there. But they're trying to back off of that so that they can have these unbiased investigations. We need a paradigm shift here.
2: Mm. Well, the pendulum's gone too far, I think is the expression we want. <laughs> you know, in, in terms of... yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, because you know, to say that you, you hashtag believe women, how is that different than before when women weren't believed because men were believed instead? It's no different. It's the same thing. They're just saying That's, that that we have to write the wrong. scales. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's interesting you mentioned the UK because this other, this next question. And by the way, the last one is like, I don't want to give him away because his name's so unique, but his name was John who asked us the first question. So hopefully nobody figures out who he is. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. Uh, so the next one is, is, is actually a question from the UK. And he's saying that his experience in the UK is that if you're a guy who's alleging that you were sexually harassed or assaulted, that um, you're not taken seriously. He feels that, um, that it, you know, in his experience that if it doesn't fit a male aggressor, female victim bias uh, from the police, they just don't take you seriously and they don't investigate properly.
0: Yes. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what else to say. But. My
2: concern is that, like, um, that guys, if they, if they are actually the victim and they try to report, they, that they quite often get arrested themselves. What I've seen a- this happen before. Yeah. Okay, where a guy so, was thrown out of his own house oh, yeah. when he called the police. All right, and I'm going to in up trouble up- now. Okay, yeah, you so, will.
1: How many cases do we have now of clients <laughs> Actually. coming in where they called 911 yeah. for being assaulted or abused, and they're f***ing charged?
0: Actually, how many?
1: I'm sorry, sensitive person who doesn't like me to swear, but the reality is I can't contain myself when it comes to this. He's got a
2: f***ing knife in his gut, and he gets charged
0: actually i've got a great case that just came. i know about a case in, like that it just came in yeah uh, you know uh, the woman uh, you know the woman calls uh, you know the police that uh, the guy was uh, kicked the door off of the the bedroom and left the house you know so it's mischief to property
1: woodford reserve
0: <laughs> and um so I have I get the audio tape of the interview with the police officer, and he, you know, just trying to get you know how it is that this, you know, uh, uh, arose that he committed mischief to property and so on and so forth. And she says, well, he, you know, he got angry, he kicked the door, and then he was trying to leave, and I was blocking him, and I refused to let him leave. Uh, which is which is actually a, a criminal offense, if you're not aware of it. It's called... Uh,
1: forcible confinement. F- yeah, yes. it's
0: something called forcible confinement. So yeah. she's effectively confessing to forcible confinement, at which point uh, uh, the accused uh, uh, is now charged with assault because he grabbed her arm and threw her to the ground to get out of the way so that he could leave the apartment. Uh, so, once she gets to the point of confessing to the, you know, forcible confinement, the officer says, okay, well, let's talk about the other stuff. Meaning, just get back to what he was doing and not what you were doing. Why? <laughs> but why? I don't know.
2: Because I, they're victim-centered. I, I don't understand. But I just lost it. it is. Like, we literally have... And there's only one kind of victim. We literally
1: have three or four new clients... Yeah. In the last month, where the males have called police, seeking assistance, and they're all f***ing charged. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And males yeah, get assaulted. Yes. Females get assaulted.
2: Yeah. Transgender. Everybody gets this. shit that happens. What about but public faith in the police system? Is, is that a thing? But <laughs> that's why I come back to,
1: I, I, I wonder if it's up to some... I wonder if it is really the officer we're talking about, which in some cases is probably true. And but they have white papers
2: where they, they yeah, have policies. But they, they, no, they have policies. Have it if they, into they don't their lay call. a charge, totally. we've totally. seen it. Totally. If the yeah. officer doesn't lay a charge, it gets sent back by the supervisor saying, I want to see you lay a charge of this, this, this. And this. they
0: have to explain it, and they have to go jump through hoops and say, you know, and so on and so forth, and cover your ass, and so on and so forth. Yeah, but the
1: perfect no, example actually... is, you have, through, through your non-for-profit organization... To advocate for police officers charged and it doesn't mean that they're innocent or guilty doesn't we're not saying that one way or the other but the reality is coming back to bite them we don't have unbiased investigations which is where we come back to what's wrong with we believe victims what's wrong with that please feel free to send us emails because I'm curious as to say is this an advancement or a retraction of our due process of our rights, and is this a sign that we're going to get into more trouble as we go forward? Is there any more questions?
2: And police officers, you think it's not going to affect them? I can tell you, yeah, it could just as easily affect you. It
1: affects officers, yeah,
2: lawyers, Standing up for crown attorneys, making.
1: judges, everybody, because we live Protecting. in a society where shit just happens. Yeah. And what are you going to do?
2: You don't protect the system because you think you know you're doing it for somebody else. You protect it because don't it can happen bad. to you. Right, any one of us. When shit happens, any what are you going to do?
1: Call Coastbusters. <laughs> After life's coming call,
2: call Newberger and Partners.
1: I know, but it's not an avatar. Right. But thank you for that. But
2: like so, you know, <laughs> so um, then the other. There's like two more that I want to mention. The last one is like. And
1: again, thank you very much to everybody who views the podcast, for sending yeah, these questions, for nice. sending in your comments, for really participating, whether you know you like what we're saying or you don't. It's very important to have your engagement, and we enjoy that because this helps us get out the issues that we want to talk about.
2: So we have two very similar kind of things. I'm going to group them together. So, one from you. Chris and Jim. Um, Jim says, uh, should we take breathalyzers out when we go on dates to make sure that we're not like having sex with somebody too drunk to consent? And the other one is, what if we get STD testing? Can you then show that she was consenting to sex because she agreed to go get STD tested before sex? So... Um,
1: Let's break that up. The main
2: the yeah. main issue is something somebody does at the beginning of a date doesn't matter if they allege something happened mid part C- way correct. through the date.
0: Correct. So you know
1: dates it, are incremental.
0: Exactly, uh, s- uh, and you can't just give every
2: button is a new sexual act.
0: <laughs> okay, that's
2: you want uh, to do this one? Can I undo this one? Yeah. Can I do the next one? You need yeah. consent for every f- button. No. Right. You swore. I'm so happy. Can you
1: just do one more? Oh, thank f- you. Okay, good. Thank you.
0: Classic. Yeah. So, no, getting a uh, you know, a joint STD test at the beginning of the date does not guarantee uh, you know, evidence of consent for what will, you know, what happens later on in the evening. Uh, you know, they're two separate issues. So,
2: yeah, or three or four or five. You can well, break yeah, it. up. what about a breath Some do just break or it or up into multiple you, you parts.
1: Could, you could. Be. What if that was the date? Yeah, Instead of going for mini golf.
2: You'll go get an STD test. That's a great date. Yeah.
1: that's well, a great first date. Uh, I love it. Uh, Shows
2: uh, commitment.
0: That's I, right. I suspect. Uh, and that's a good one. You won't get Max, results in any, time. Any,
1: uh, ideas. Yeah. No. Okay.
0: If that's what you're into, you that's, that's great. But uh, they're both anyway. cute. What's the second question? So, yeah. So that's, no, but having
1: that's... a breathalyzer. But but that's not the way the law works. Because you could have one drink or two drinks and be incapacitated. Because if you're walking and talking and making jokes and carry on a conversation, doesn't mean you have the capacity to consent. It means you have the capacity to use your credit card, but you don't have the capacity to consent right. to sex. <laughs>
2: that's a good point, Let's actually. just think about that, okay? <laughs> Our <laughs> fucking that's Supreme a great Court point. Canada that's a great
1: point. Has, has a decision which talks about I'm so gonna get into trouble. But if, if you walk, if you talk, if you ambulate, if you take out your Visa card and your phone, and, then you, and go you, Amazon, your pin you go on Amazon, that's a really nice outfit. Oh my God! It's twenty four ninety nine. I'm gonna order five of them. Five of them. Perfect. <laughs> but you still may not be able to consent to sex. Have I got that wrong?
2: No, you can still get billed for what you ordered on Amazon. So I'm
1: adding into my cross-examination where it's a capacity is to, at any point during the time that you were in the evening with my client, did you use Amazon and purchase anything? Because <laughs> we've been in a pandemic. Who hasn't used Amazon? Who hasn't ordered online? Did you buy gas? But, but did you buy gas?
2: Well, I, I, you know. Did that's... you
1: order DoorDash. I don't do Uber because DoorDash is better because they actually text me when they're there mm. and they ask me how my meal was. So I really love that.
2: Well it's just Right, honey? That,
1: yeah, Especially he, when they come with Belly Buster. He
2: makes friends with them. Oh belly buster this. They go,
1: did you enjoy your belly buster? Oh, the bacon was great. But but the joke is you can do this shit and still, according to our case law, not have capacity consent. hmm Does anybody get that? It's real. So, taking a breathalyzer, it's not going to solve the issue.
2: No, no. because how do you, how do you, does a breathalyzer come with a printout that's time stamped and yeah?
1: But then that'll be this for them, the not for thing. an hour it later.
2: Like, yeah. It was like going, well, you know, I need you to say that you consent word for word. And I was like, well, if I said that, how would you prove it? Yeah,
1: look, we're we're running long on yeah. this, but 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 just wait. Let's just just slow this down for one second because that was a really great question, and and we love these questions. So, and, and this is a big issue because you had a, a, a colleague who wrote a great article.
2: Oh, yeah. In she Australia. Yeah, I know. Bettina Ernst.
1: Like, yeah. fabulous article who, who picked up on what we were talking about with respect mm-hmm. to these cringe revenge type of charges. But what struck me so much, we're going to run long. I'm sorry. Just give us one more moment. The statistics in Australia of those most charged were between 15 and 19 years of age, mm-hmm. relating to cringe, embarrassment, regret Just like we said. charges. Just like this you said, and we've defended. Mm-hmm. Yep. But then that translates into issues of how do you deal with this as a young person, or how do we deal with this as an adult trying to have relations, whether there's alcohol involved or not, where we as human beings relate in different ways and try and have fun, how do we protect ourselves against wrongful accusations? We have moved into an era in our lives where the fun is being removed from everything. And I don't mean rape is fun. Don't even dare say that. That's not the issue. But the issue is taking the humanity out of who we are. And so taking a breathalyzer won't solve it. Being a gentleman... Being a good person
2: is always something we should have at our core. But I want to make a point, too, and this is very important, that when a guy has sex with a woman that he believes is consensual and then she then retracts her consent later, they feel like, you know, why isn't that a sexual assault? I had an agreement. I only had sex with you because I believed you were consenting and now you've changed all the statistics. Like, you know, if if you want to talk about, you know, switching things up or... You know, having consent it was like the guy at the time. I, I've heard so many guys say this: I consented to have sexual uh, sexual contact with somebody who was consenting with me. Right. And right, now right. she's retracted that right. in hindsight, and now I feel like like what happened to me was a fraud. So,
1: it's an excellent point. Was the consent fraudulent? Was the male fraudulently induced into sex? That doesn't factor into any of this calculus.
2: And that's an excellent point. Yeah, Something we can get into further. I think we've we should do that
1: next time because we're running a bit mind long. Mind. We rambled a bit here, but I hope this was enjoyable to people. And these questions were great. So please keep them coming. Thank keep you very the much. Keep questions coming and you can send Thank them you. to
2: right. notonrecordpodcast at gmail.com.
1: And please like, subscribe, share, whatever that is. And to...
2: leave a review on Apple.
1: Yes. On the interwebs. On Apple. And
2: remember to subscribe. On yeah, Apple? On, on Apple, leave a review on Apple because that's where that's the only place I think that you can do it. But All right, bye. If, you got to subscribe so that you can see this before we tell you about it because we're always busy and forget to tell you about it on time.
1: Thank you for listening and watching. Cheers. Cheers.
2: All right, John. again.
1: All right. Boom, again.
2: Time.
0: All right.
1: We got a busy, busy week. Oh, yeah. I know. Very.